You are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach. And although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today we are going to talk about a subject that I think no one really wants to talk about. And that's how to make your content without using AI. Because I think there, you know, when you are looking to be that uh, that authority in your niche, to be that expert, uh, AI is not really your friend. So I've been looking forward to this conversation today with Andrea Dell. Now, Andrea is on the podcast today. She's a copywriter to mission-driven women. She's master practitioner of NLP. She loves supporting women entrepreneurs in sharing their message and growing their audience. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much, Kim. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So, you know, the title is How to Make Your Content Stand Out in, you know, the sea of AI. So, you know, I guess the first, probably the most obvious question is, you know, should people who are looking to promote their business be using AI to create their content? That's a great question, Kim. And my personal opinion is that it depends. AI can be the best use that I've found for it is idea generation. It can get you out of blank page syndrome and just get the juices flowing. Beyond that is where, in my opinion, it starts to fail us. And that's because it is so generic. It sounds exactly what it like what it is, a machine trying to sound like a human. It might as well be an alien life form trying to sound like a human. And it's just weird. It's read AI content. I can pick it out when people who don't know what good content should look like just use AI verbatim. And for me, it's pretty cringy. So should you use it? It really depends on what you're using it for. It can have a place, but relying solely on it is not something that I support. Not if you want to stand out, for sure. Yeah, you know, I agree with you because there's, you know, there's times I've I've created content. Now, this was really before the big AI phase, but, you know, there's times I'd be creating content. And, you know, even as a writer, sometimes you get writer's block. So I would Google things just to get ideas because, like you said, it gets the brain going. It gets the brain started. You know, I'd Google a blog post on something and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, but then I wrote it in my own voice. I added my own ideas. And you're right. You know, when you look at AI generated content, it's so bland. It's so boring. And it because it can only pick up everything else that's there. Like it's not, it doesn't create unique content. It just re-spins 
the content that's already out there. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And and I think, you know, using AI to generate ideas is great, but, you know, make sure that you're doing the content in your own voice because there, there's something powerful when you create your own content in your own voice with your own messaging. It resonates, not with everyone, but it resonates with a certain group of people. And I think that's where you end up building your authority. Exactly. And that's one of the things that AI sucks at is is sounding human and sounding like a specific human. I mean, it can try, but it it sounds like a parrot. A parrot can repeat what you say, but that doesn't make it you. AI is just <laughs> repeating repeating what's what's already out there, like you said. And that's not going to help you stand out if you sound like everybody else in that internet voice that it uses. <laughs> So let's let's dig a little bit deeper here. So, you know, you've brought with us three simple ways to make your content stand out. So let's talk about the first one. All right. So the first one is to tell your stories. This is something that AI doesn't have the information for. Even if your book is out there and it it pulls some information from your book. You have blog posts, videos, things like that. It still is not you. It doesn't have every life experience you've ever had. It does not have your day-to-day experiences. Telling your own stories and then relating them to why your readers should care. When you do that, pretty much anything can be unique, interesting content that is also relevant to the people you're trying to reach. The key is just to tie it together. I call it building a bridge. You can tie anything to anything and it opens up this sea of content possibilities. It makes you relatable to tell your own stories. It makes you human, which we've already established AI sucks at. It gives people a way to connect with you and well, it does. I'm so blunt, but it does. It's terrible at sounding human. And that's why it's so funny. It, it either, like you said, it's either so bland and boring or it just exaggerates sort of like the cartoon family guy. There's, I mean, it's, it's the cartoon to offend everybody, but they have these two foreign guys on there who speak English technically correctly, but they use words and phrases that a native English speaker would never use. They phrase things in a way that a native, native English speaker would never use. And AI does that. It, it, it just, it's terrible. That's why, one of many reasons why telling your own sto- stories is going to trump AI. It gives people a way to authentically connect to you, get to know you. We all prefer to do business with people we feel like we know. We'll choose that to a point anyway. It depends on the context, but over someone who charges less, things like that. We want someone that we know and feel connected to. Sharing your stories is a way to build that connection. And something that I like to have people do is Start with your pivotal moments in your life. How did you get to where you are? Look back at the parts of your life that are just big, life-defining moments that maybe at the time you didn't even know they were going to be a part of you getting to where you are now. But in hindsight, you can see that, yes, they were. For example, getting fired unexpectedly from my job in 2017. Did not see that coming. I'd been there for almost 18 years, walk in, and it's at the end of the day, not when I walked in, but at the end of the day, clean out your desk, leave your keys on the counter. Okay. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have my copywriting business because that was a catalyst to say, look, I I really would rather do my own thing after all. And I was too chicken to go and do my own thing. So this, I believe this was God throwing me out of the nest and helping me learn to fly. 
but I did. That's an example of one pivotal moment. If you're not sure what to talk about to tell stories, to tell your stories, then make a list of pivotal moments. They can be big, like I got a divorce, I retired, I my child died. It can be really the, the dramatic, heart-wrenching stuff, but it can also be I got in a mild fender bender and realized this. So take a look at those, and I think you're going to see that there's there's quite quite a lot of pivotal moments that you could pull from to tell your story and stand out. I couldn't agree with you more, Andrea. And, and you know, it, when you talk about your pivotal moments, sometimes it's the smallest thing. You know, one of the biggest pivotal moments for me in my journey, audience, you've heard me talk about, you know, how my story, the power of words, how I went from being told at seven that I shouldn't write because I wasn't a good writer to owning a publishing company, you know, but that pivotal moment back in 2011, when I had to overcome, you know, those words in my head and write that first blog post. Now, blog posts, that big of a deal. But that was, you know, that small pivotal moment, if I hadn't have written that first blog post, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So, and, you know, the other thing I was thinking of when you were talking about those pivotal moments is when you think about your target market and, you know, what they're going through and the problems that they're facing, you know, if you can take a look at that pivotal moment and if there's a theme in that pivotal moment, that's going to relate to your target market. So you can look at the diff different pivotal moments and which ones relate to your target market. You know, those are the stories you should be telling more of because it's going to, going to relate to them. So we're going to take a really quick ad break here. Audience, RTI Publishing has lots of resources to help you build your business faster, write your book, be the authority in your niche, and uh, you're going to hear a short ad for one of the free resources that we have. Writing and publishing a book that converts readers into clients and scales your business is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Get my free checklist at bit.ly forward slash create and scale that will show you what you need to do to have your book become a well-converting lead generating tool. Welcome back. Andrea, I just, I really enjoyed that first section with, you know, talking about the stories. So let's get on to number two, because I know you've brought three of them for us today. I have. Number two is to sound like you. And I wasn't planning to rhyme when I said that, but there we go. By sound like you, that's exactly what it means. And you talked about, talk about this in your author to authority volume one book, Kim, I, I saw you sound like you. And what does that mean? Well, it means your personality, your style, your quirks. When we get up to present content in front of other people, whether it's talking like this, whether it's in the written form, we tend to put up a wall. And you want a certain amount of professionalism because no one wants to learn from a hot mess. But at the same time, <laughs> You want to let your natural personality shine through. And it's it's interesting that we even have to say this to people. It's it's so scary to be yourself, which is unfortunate, but there it is. We're kind of afraid to be seen, especially with the screen between us and other people. The thing is, you are the only thing that no one else, including AI, can rip off. AI can give it a shot and it might eventually get better than it is now, but it's still just pulling from the source. The source that's already out there. It's not the original. And some people aren't going to care about that. But if you're looking to stand out, listen up. 
being you, your own style, your own personality, your sense of humor. If you're not funny, then maybe that's not your unique brilliance. Then you don't have to necessarily be funny, but it's okay to let that out. Drop enough of that dry, professional, stiff thing that we we try to do to present as what? I don't even know. I don't even know this this idea that it's professional to sound like a drone. I couldn't, not a fan. And I get it, I get it, but I'm not a fan. If somebody were listening to this and saying, well, I don't really know how to sound like me. I don't even know what that is. Then here's what I suggest for my clients who are maybe a little earlier in their journey, not necessarily ready to pay me, but I help people rise up to that point too. Record yourself talking in a casual conversation where you're not putting up a bunch of walls and defenses and trying to impress anybody. Record it and then get it transcribed. And you can use AI for that. AI is great at getting you a, a transcription that's good enough for this. I like otter.ai. Use whatever works for you. You can also get it transcribed by a human and then read it. And if you can stand to, listen to it. Listening to your own voice, some people find uncomfortable, myself included. What I find most helpful, though, for myself is to see what I'm saying. And that gives me a way to just notice my style and then be able to marry that with a little more refinement and enough professionalism so that, again, you don't sound like a hot mess. The way we talk in casual conversation is awful if you're trying to present content typically. But it's a starting place and you can marry those two things. I uh, my book, I actually, I voice recorded the first draft to be able to get my voice out of it. The whole entire first draft, 30,000 some words, I did that and it just helped me see how I talk. And I think that's a great tool for anybody to get get started. And then another way you can do it is to to talk to people who know you really well and maybe and aren't going to sugarcoat this for you necessarily, but ask them, ask them to identify your style. Ask them for help with that. Uh, for example, please put your ego aside for this. All right, ask them. You think I'm funny? Am I direct? Am I uh, kind? Whatever your style is. Sometimes we can, it can be hard to figure out from inside our own heads, but you can ask people around you who you know are going to give it to you straight. They're not going to be jerks, but they're not going to sugarcoat it either. That's a great way to figure it out. My style, for example, is direct. It's wacky. It's funny in a way that can be sarcastic, sometimes maybe a little too sarcastic, but that's, and it can be inspiring in a raw, raw way too. That is my my voice, my, when I'm sounding like me, that's how I'm sounding. So to stand out from AI, sound like you, because no one else can sound exactly like you without looking silly, because they're obviously copying you kind of thing. <laughs> the funny thing about that is, is there was a time I could not tell a joke to save my life. So when I was a kid, I memorized one joke. So that if I absolutely had to tell a joke, at least I could tell something. But I was in Toastmasters and I wanted to improve humor in my speech. So I challenged myself by doing, they have different topics that you can study and prepare speeches on and get feedback. So I actually did the humor track to learn more about, you know, timing about telling stories that are funny but the funniest part was I would try to tell these stories 
And the fact that I couldn't tell them well was what made them funny. (laughs) So people were laughing at all the wrong spots, but it was a a unique experience because going through that, I actually realized where the funny points were because they weren't laughing where I expected them to laugh. They were laughing in other places. And so when I went back and I examined it, I'm like, okay. Now, if I had to be funny on demand, I probably could not do it. I do have a funny, I've learned to tell funny stories from my Mm -hmm. life. So one of them, one of the speeches I did was Captain Patience and his sidekick gullible girl, a.k.a. me and my dad, because my dad had to have patience raising me. Uh But I think, you know, one of the things you talked about was the authenticity and not going into your professional voice, because, you know, we all have that professional voice that we can use and mm-hmm. and it's just there. And, you know, I just want to be me. I recently did a conference and it was so fun. I tested out a new speech, but I got to be me in the speech. I wrote it so that I could be authentic, not not salesy. It was mm-hmm. a sales speech, but I wanted to provide value. And the feedback I got was good. So I'm like, okay, so I can be me a little bit more. So I like that. Andrea, we've got point three. I want you to share a little bit about your story and we want to talk about your book. So let's hit on to point three. Okay. Point three is simply to connect authentically. Kind of like what you were just saying, Kim, and that you talked about in your book too. We often show up to get in life. What can I get from this? And it's not that you won't get anything if you don't show up to get, but it's it's the darndest thing. You, you get attached to whether or not you're going to get something. You focus on what am I going to get? And that become, it becomes all about you. And interestingly, that usually backfires. It leads to the neediness and desperation energy, that clingy creepy eh, we can feel from people a mile away and you're just get away from me whereas if you show up to give and i'm going to give a couple examples of what that looks like without any ulterior motive even if you're intentional about how you're showing up you can still show up to give in a way that is not that manipulative ulterior motive and when people sense that you're not out to come in and get something from them it's as though it gives them the space to be open to you. It sounds counterintuitive. Well, if I want to get something, I need to show up to get it. But without the attachment to whether whether you actually do get it. I think that's yeah. the key is be intentional, yet don't be attached to whether or not it works out. And that frees you up to just show up as your best and give and to listen, to ask the other person questions, to build that relationship. That's That's really what connecting authentically means build the relationship pour into the other person without worrying about how much they're pouring into you be the person who shows up to give because that's just who you are that that really is the best tip that i've found for an authentic connection be yourself so so not who you think you should be and again this not to confuse this with not being professional but show up as who you are show up to give, to listen, to be interested, and then 
kind of like you say in your book, Kim, you, you show up in that way. It's very magnetic to other people because they can feel you're not showing up with that ulterior motive that's pushing and grabbing and just, eh. It, it's very, it's such a, a relief to be around someone who like is like that. You can feel it and you're drawn in and it doesn't even really in a way make sense to you necessarily, but you're drawn in versus needy Gary, the 44 year old loser here who that's a reference from Kim's book for those of you who haven't read it, who's uh, having his daughter go and get her enlist her friend's parents to get coaching from him. I mean, eh, no wonder she didn't want to hang out with him. So connect authentically by showing up as the person who is showing up to give. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is attractive. You know, when, when you, when you go in and even in your content, you know, like even if not even just talking to people, but in your content, if your content is always all about you, all about your products, all about your services, that's not attractive. Now we do talk about telling your story, but there's ways to tell your story that draw the reader in, draw the listener or the watcher in, you know, you're telling your story, but you can tell your story and make it about the person, the other person. When I talk about the power of words, one of the things I talk about is the fact that, you know, I had this teacher speak into my life words that stuck in my brain for 30 years that I didn't even realize were there, but were hindering me. And so when I tell the story, I ask the audience, you know, have you ever had anyone speak into your life those words that you feel are holding you back? Right. So there's ways yep. of drawing people in, even when you're telling your own story. But when you when you create content, when you talk to potential clients with that carefree, I don't care if you work with me attitude. I mean, I tell my clients, some, not all of them. OK, but there have mm -hmm. been a few potential clients that I'm just like, listen, I don't need your work. I'd like to work with you. I think you have an awesome book inside of you, but. I don't need you as a client. If you want to work with me, great. But if not, that's okay too. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're kind of like, wait, you don't need me? <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I don't do that as a manipulation tactic. It's just the truth. I, you know, I, I am not starved for clientele. Mm -hmm. But even when I was starved for clientele, I'd never tell them I was starved for mm -hmm. clientele. I always nope. acted as if I had way more than enough. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Andrea. We're going to shift gears here because I do want to talk about your book. So can you tell us the name of the book, you know, what it's about? Just a, just a few things to get us started. Absolutely. The name of the book is Dream Client Goldmine. And it's a framework that I created based off my own personal experience of getting my first big copywriting clients when I was a brand new copywriter back in 2017. Didn't have status, didn't have a portfolio to show them, didn't have social proof, barely had any kind of social media presence. But I had been fired. I wanted to have my own business. I love to write. And I'd been studying copywriting for a couple of years by that point. But how do you get clients? And what I talk about in the book is how I did it accidentally at first. And then I tested it out deliberately and it worked again and has worked again since I published the book. But it's how a service based person can get a good quality client, even if you, you don't have any status. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to ask you the question, 
that I've asked every single author who's come on the show. Are you ready, Andrea? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly about writing, editing, and publishing that book? All right. So the good. The good was it got it out of my head. It's something I've been wanting to write for a couple of years and finally was just got it done. So finishing a book, getting it out there, having it be proof that you know enough about a topic to write a whole book about it. That was good. Um, the, the process of, of doing it the first time, because our first crack at something is, is rarely our best effort, not because we suck, but because there's a lot we don't know. We've never done it before. And I think a lot of times, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but for myself, it's the first time I'm doing something and I want it to be good and get it right. Got to have the experience of just letting go of this need for it to be the best thing I've ever written. Not that you want it to be crap, but the best thing I've ever written and just get it get it done and and publish it and there's a saying that says a great book is better than a good book sure a good book is better than no book so it's a balance between how good is good enough and i'm all for being professional with the book and having it be a representation of your business for me personally the good was the whole experience of finishing the book putting a message out there that i believe can serve people and showing from an authority standpoint that I know enough about this. I have enough to say about it to write a whole book about it. What about the bad and the ugly? The bad, the bad was, I don't know if I can think of a bad. The bad was more to do with the time that I was trying to write the book. My, my dog had been attacked by another dog and, and gravely injured and I had to put her to sleep when I was I had finished the first draft and so I was working on getting it refined and so navigating it while doing that was getting the book finished while navigating that was challenging what I did was take it just a little at a time reread these 10 pages reread this chapter just chip away chip away chip away chip away and eventually I did get it finished get it published so there's any bad in it. Uh, that was a lot of it. Some more, some more that came up as I talk is the 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 fear, I guess I would call it, of being seen. Because uh, pouring yourself into a yes. book and then putting it out there where total strangers can can get that peek into into you is I found it to be extremely uncomfortable. Even writing content for years by by this point, it was just it was just a different level to the comfort zone. The the intensity of it caught me by surprise for the ugly i think it was the realization that publishing the book is just the first step and i was already <laughs> aware that that was the case but there's being there's knowing it and experiencing it kim and uh, yes yes <laughs> i'm sure you, i don't have to tell you the, the understanding okay now i've got this thing what the heck do i do with it it's the whole belief if you build it they will come and even knowing that that is bs there was still an element of me that had higher expectations and, and there was just that ugly reconciliation of the expectation and the reality of what was going to happen once the book was done. It's really like writing a book is really like a chapter of a book. You finish a chapter in the book, promoting it is the next chapter. Yeah. Well, it's like having this baby, you know, you <laughs> pregnant for the first time and you think everything's going to be amazing and wonderful and then you have labor, and sometimes labor's good, and sometimes it's not. Most times it's not. 
And then, you know, you're exhausted and you've got this newborn who doesn't sleep. My firstborn had his days and nights 100% completely turned around. So it took us six months to get this kid to sleep during the night. Oh. oh my gosh. But it's like that with the book. You know, you think, oh, the baby's born. I'm finally done. And then you realize the work's only beginning because you've got to get the book out there. You kind of have to like raise this kid now, you know, and it's there and you have to do something with it. And you're like, oh, but I thought I was done. I thought I was done. But, you're just starting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing as, as a publisher that, you know, I talk with with my clients is, you know, how are you going to work moving forward? And I always share the story from one of my clients, Larry Levine, Selling from the Heart. He was already promoting his book long before he launched it. He had a good launch, but it was what he did after the launch that actually was the most effective. He spent the first 18 months after his book was launched just getting it out there and into as many hands as possible. And many times that meant just sending out free copies. He didn't mm -hmm. worry whether people bought it. He just worked on building his network, making the connections, sending them the book, then doing the follow-up with them. And over time, what was happening... Now, originally, when we wrote the book, was for him to get on a certain stage. He had to be an author to get on this certain stage he wanted to be on. And he did that next year, actually, make it onto that stage. But what happened was, was that the connections he was making and then the fact he was sharing his book with them, all of a sudden, about 18 months later, it was like, you know, this slow, 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 you know, just incremental incremental growth incremental growth he hit about 18 months of consistency and that was the key and all of a sudden the book took off it's sort of like his career took off he went from being national sales trainer to working with international companies you know he's he's been on some very big stages uh you know it's just but it was eight it was that consistency and he still does it to this day was we published that in first book in 2018 so nice. you know he's still going at it all this time later and he's still getting the book into people's hands so if i can encourage mm -hmm. you just get it into people's hands mm -hmm. that's you know don't worry about big marketing plans and funnels and all that kind of stuff <laughs> build your network connect with them you know ask them if they want your book send them the book yeah and just keep doing the follow-up it's not hard. It's time consuming, but it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the consistency, the consistency, consistent promotion, one little, little piece at a time, stay yeah. in that momentum it really compounds when you do it. Yeah. Well, Andrew, we're out of time. So what I would love for you to do is share one final thought. And then if people have enjoyed this conversation, how can they connect with you? All right. One final thought. The best policy for your content is to be you, tie it to why your audience should care. How is it relevant to them? You marry those two things, you're going to stand out from AI. You'd be hard-pressed not to stand out from AI. And do it consistently, for the love of God, just like we were talking about. Do it consistently. And if you'd like to learn more about content creation, how to stand out with your content, things like that, the best place to go is to my website, andreadel.com, and sign up for my email list. I've got 
freebie for you, Seven Ways to Stop the Scroll. It is seven types of content that human beings enjoy consuming, regardless of the topic, and even regardless of the vehicle, whether it's written, audio, video, seven types of content that people will enjoy, that human beings enjoy, regardless of age, gender, culture, religion, anything like that. And you can get that at my website, andreadell.com. Thank you so much, Andrea. It has been a joy and a pleasure having you on the show today. Audience, if you've enjoyed this episode, then I highly recommend that you go to episode 451, Branding Yourself as an Expert. And uh, if you're on YouTube, you will see the thumbnail here somewhere that you can click on. If you are listening on the podcast app, you're going to have to scan back about a month or so to find it. But I promise you it's another really great conversation about how do you take yourself to the next level and be seen as the expert you are. Thank you so much for listening today. And we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.